This is Because I Said So, parenting advice with love and leadership from the nation's leading parenting expert, John Roseman, syndicated columnist, author, conference speaker, and the only psychologist to point out that psychology has caused more problems than it has solved. From American Family Radio, here's your host, John Roseman. Welcome to the show. It's called Because I Said So. It's all about parenting and the title reflects the fact that what I do in my ministry, and I am your host, John Rosemond, johnrosemond.com if you're interested in more information. So what I do is I go around the country as a public speaker, a writer, an author, syndicated columnist, husband, father, grandfather, and I am trying to create a revival of traditional, biblically-based parenting in this country. And for those of you who have just joined the show for the first time, I am a heretic psychologist, an outlier psychologist, a renegade psychologist, licensed by the North Carolina Psychology Board, and I promise you they regret the day they ever gave me a license because I go around the country and I tell the truth that psychology is a bogus science, It is a pseudoscience. Psychology is a bogus profession. There is no compelling evidence collected by any objective person that would prove that people with PhDs in psychology give better counseling advice than people with high school educations. No psychological theory has ever, uh, concerning human nature, humanistic psychology theory, behavioral psychology theory, Freudian psychology theory, none of them have ever been proven correct. They hold no water, and yet they are still taught in America's psychology graduate schools all over the country. That fact in and of itself identifies psychology not as a science, which it pretends to be, but as an ideology. And we, I'm talking about America, we embraced this ideology when it came to child rearing beginning in the mid-1960s. I was there. I was in college and graduate school and in a psychology program that eventually led to my being licensed by the North Carolina Psychology Board. And so I, uh, I was steeped in this stuff when I was in college and graduate school. And it took me quite a number of years to realize that I had not received an education. I had received an indoctrination from people who themselves had been indoctrinated by people who themselves had been indoctrinated in this bogus worldview called psychology. And I have, as a consequence of this, determined that it will be my role. And, and you know, when I say I determine, no, not really. I truly feel called by God. I am absolutely convinced that I am acting in accord with his plan for my life, which is to uh, carry his torch when it comes to the raising of children in America and try and do my best to persuade people that, hey, you know, if you want to raise God's children properly, you had better follow God's instruction, which are clearly set forth in Scripture. Ask yourself this question, why would God give us the capacity to have children? He could have, you know, he could have just 
you know, created Adam and Eve and then created some other human beings and then created some more human beings and created more human beings. Instead, he gave us the capacity to act as parents in his stead, raising his children. I tell people all the time, we are God's proxies in the raising of his children, and he has not left us to his own devices. He has not left us to our own understandings, Proverbs 3, 5. Uh, He has given us a set of instructions concerning the rearing of children that we would do best to follow And our children would profit greatly if we followed these instructions that he has clearly given us in his word. But uh, we turned away from biblical child rearing. America turned away from it in the 1960s. We began to embrace, instead of biblical principle in the rearing of children, we substituted psychological theory. And it is an irony of immense magnitude, ladies and gentlemen, that since we embraced psychological theory and began taking our parenting marching orders from psychologists and other people in the mental health fields, that the mental health of the American child and teenager has been in a state of free fall. I have yet, and I'm sure they're out there before I say this, I'm sure they're out there They are rare. They are few and far between. I have yet to meet someone of my age. I am 69 years old. I went to high school from 1961 to 1965. I have yet to meet someone of my age who went to high school around that same period of time who remembers a classmate committing suicide. We do not remember girls starving themselves. We do not remember people harming themselves in order to call attention to themselves. We do not remember classmates being removed from school and put into treatment facilities for what then would have been called nervous breakdowns or drug abuse or alcohol abuse. We do not remember classmates taking medication for anxiety or phobias or depression, things like this. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, parenting was not a perfect enterprise before we started listening to psychologists. Why? Because this is a broken world. And I should have to tell no one in this audience that, but this is a broken world. And we, broken people, wandering through this broken world trying to find our way home, We are not going to be able to do anything perfectly, but I want to tell you that imperfect people will do a better job of raising children using perfect instructions from a perfect being than they will using instructions from other imperfect people. And we began to depend on the understandings of these other imperfect people in the fields of psychology, clinical social work, et cetera, et cetera, late 60s, early 70s. And this has been an unmitigated, complete disaster. One story that I like to tell quite often to my audiences around the country, I eventually get around to telling it to nearly every audience, is that there were 50, that's five zero children in my first grade class. There was one teacher. I will guarantee you, 
she had fewer behavior problems in a year than today's first grade teacher is having during the first week of any school year. There was no ADD. There was no oppositional defiant disorder. There was no bipolar disorder of childhood. There were no kids who were out of control, screaming, yelling, throwing tantrums during the day, hitting the teacher, kicking the teacher, calling her names. No, this was an orderly classroom environment. And folks, we sat in the most ergonomically uncomfortable chairs. I call them chairs. They were torture devices that had ever been designed. And we sat there and we worked in our desks and we did not get out of our seats. We were not allowed out of our seats unless uh, there was a bathroom break or recess or lunch. Those were the only three times we were allowed out of our desk during the day. And we were orderly. We were well-behaved. We were respectful. We did what we were told. And uh, I mean, go into a first grade classroom somewhere in America. And I don't care whether you go. You, you can go into a first grade classroom in any public school, just about any public school, and you'll see what I'm referring to. And what I'm referring to is just chaos. You, but you can go into the first grade class of a private school, even a Christian school in some cases, and see the problem that has resulted from us embracing psychological theory when it comes to the raising of God's children. Fifty children in my first grade class, we came to first grade not knowing our ABCs. There might have been some exceptions to that general rule, but they were few. My mother eventually obtained a Ph.D. in plant morphology taught at the University of Illinois, was a world-renowned researcher in her field. She sent me to first grade not knowing my ABCs. How about that? And I sat with 49 other kids, most of whom did not know their ABCs when they stepped foot into a a first-grade classroom, that first-grade classroom in Charleston, South Carolina, in 1952. And at the end of first grade, we were reading at a higher level than today's children. Why? Not because we were smarter, but because we were well-behaved. We paid attention, did what we were told. And that, folks, not high IQ. Sorry to burst your bubble out there. If you go around one of those parents that goes around bragging about their children's IQ. But IQ is not the key to success in school. What is the key to success in school? Paying attention and doing what you're told. That's what makes the difference. And that's what made the difference for us. And we outperformed today's kids when matched demographically at every single grade level. It's sort of a tortoise in the hare story, isn't it? And by the way, our mothers did not help us with our homework every night. They hardly even asked us if, uh, rarely asked us if we even had homework. That was our responsibility, not theirs. We have, uh, since then, since the uh, 1950s, when I went to first grade, the uh, mental health of the American child has deteriorated. The classroom, classroom discipline has deteriorated, and we have normalized codependency in the mother-child relationship. My mother did not help me with my homework. My friends' mothers did not help me with their homework. Your mother rarely even asked you if you had homework. It was just understood. It was your responsibility, and you better do it. 
or there would be trouble and you better do your best or there would be even more trouble. And today's mothers are sitting down, burning themselves out every evening, beating their head against the let's get the homework done brick wall and then complaining because they make these choices that the raising of children is the most difficult thing they've ever done. Folks, our break is imminent. Stay with me for more of this heresy. Hope you're enjoying it. Be right back. So I'm talking about um, the raising of children, which is the subject of the show, parenting, as we call it in America today. I really don't like the word. I do use it occasionally because it's the word people use, but uh, I, I, I don't like the fact that we call the raising of children parenting in America today. It's, it, it gives it a, uh, the word parenting imparts to the process the implicit idea that the raising of a child is a technology, a methodology that can be mastered with enough reading and attendance at parenting seminars and so on and so forth. And I just uh, long for the restoration of the days when mothers did not feel that, and this is an ironic thing for a guy to say who's written 16 books, many of which are bestsellers in the field, on how to raise kids properly. But I long for the day when mothers will once again understand you don't need but one book to raise a child properly, and that is God's book, his gift to us, his special revelation to us. That is all we need to raise children properly. Genesis 2.24, your marriage comes first, not your relationship with your child. You should not be in a state of one flesh with your child, which many American parents are, male and female, but I got to say, percentage-wise, more females. This is what I mean by the normalization of codependency in the mother-child relationship in America today. The marriage comes first. God said so. God even uh, mandates emancipation. Listen to Genesis 2.24. And this is where God creates marriage and creates the union between male and female that forms the nucleus of the family, which is the basic social unit. Genesis 2.24, and the man shall leave his father and mother. You getting that? Shall, not I suggest that you try to emancipate, see how it goes, but the man shall leave his father and mother and join together with his wife, and they shall become one flesh, one mind, one purpose, one flesh. It not only means a monogamous sexual relationship, it also means one mind, one purpose, and one set of values, 
Uh, you go to one, you go to the same church. You don't go to two different churches. I hear that a lot these days. That just drives me nuts. Uh, my husband goes to the whatever church, and I go to the other whatever church. And uh, uh, sometimes the kids go with him, and sometimes they go with me. Oh, isn't that a wonderful arrangement? That is the exact, and I'm off on a rant, folks. I know I am, and it's going to be okay. I'm hooked up to my Prozac drip, so it'll pass. Um, just kidding, in case somebody out there takes everything I say literally. Um, that is exactly the kind of arrangement that results in children deciding when they go off to college that they don't believe in God, uh, don't need the Bible in their lives, don't need religion, and all they need is themselves and their own brains and they go merrily marching down the road to destruction. And then we have Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 6 and 7, where God says, impress these commandments upon your children. I'm paraphrasing now at every possible opportunity. As you walk down the road, prepare for bed. Talk to your children about your values. This is the most important thing you can do for them. Today's parents... What are they primarily concerned with? They're primarily concerned, I'll answer the question. I know the answer, and you're not going to like to hear it, many of you out there. Today's parents are primarily concerned about their children's achievements. Athletic, artistic, and academic. That's what they put the most energy into. That's what they put, put the most money and time into their children's achievements. And I tell my audiences all over the country, hey, listen, I got uh, bad news. God doesn't care what your child's grades are. God doesn't care that your child uh, is on his way to earning a, uh, a scholarship to Harvard. God doesn't care that your child is trying out for the Olympics next week. Uh, he just doesn't care about those things. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4 his first instruction to parents, instruct your children in biblical values. Help them get to know me. That's what he says. Everything else is secondary. Everything else is superfluous. And then we go to Proverbs 22, 6, which is probably the most well-known of Scripture concerning the raising of children, where it says, train up the child and the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. In other words, you should have a vision during your parenting years, a vision of the adult you want your child to be when your child is 30 years old. And by the way, when I am working with a small group at this, when I'm talking about Proverbs 22, 6, I will have everybody take out a piece of paper, and I give them five minutes to write down a 10-word and phrase description of the adult they want their child to be when their child is 30 years old, five minutes, and then I have them turn it in, and I start reading them. And basically, everybody has said the same thing. They want their children to be responsible, God-fearing, charitable, loving, good neighbors, they want their children to be hardworking, compassionate. They want their children to possess biblical values, Judeo-Christian values. 
Nobody writes down, I want my child to be married to the uh, governor's daughter and be living in a gated country club community, making $2 million a year driving a uh, foreign sports car made in Italy. Nobody, nobody writes that kind of thing. Nobody, nobody in this description of the adult they want their child to be when their child is 30 years, nobody writes down anything pertaining to accomplishment, achievement, social status, prestige. Nobody writes that stuff. Everybody writes down a description that is that consists entirely of biblical values. So I tell them, you know, that's what you want, but now tell me, each and every one of you on a piece of paper, what it, and I'm going to give you 30 seconds to write this down, what you have done in the past week purposefully to promote the development of one of these biblical values in your children. And do you know they, most of them just sit there and they, they put their pencil to their mouths and they start thinking, and half of them can't write a thing in 30 seconds. They know what they want that adult child to look like, but they are so consumed with putting their energies and their time and their efforts into achievements that they can't come up with one thing that they have done purposefully in the last week to promote the development of just one of those biblical values in their children. And this is the problem in American parenting, folks. We are not trusting in the Lord God when it comes to the raising of kids. We are depending on our own understandings and the understandings of other people when it comes to raising God's children in this country. And we have got to turn this around lest we become another Europe. I was talking to a friend of mine today who's an extremely intelligent guy, and I'm going to share what he said to me with you, my radio audience out there in American Family Radio Land. He said, the reason these millennials, so many of these young people today, are drawn to socialism is because they have no self-confidence. They have high self-esteem, but they have no self-confidence. The idea of getting out there in the world and doing the hard scrabble to make it scares them half to death because they don't know what competition is. Why don't they know what competition is? Because their parents have insisted that if they participate on a team, regardless of how often they play, regardless of how good they are, their parents insist they have to get a trophy. And so these kids have been rewarded for nothing, many of them. And the idea of getting out there and competing in the real world and making it, you know, pulling yourself up by your bootstraps just scares them after death. Folks, my, my wife and I took our first child home to a 40-foot-long, single-wide trailer. We had no furniture. The trailer was pre-furnished. We had no car. We walked everywhere. 
That's where I started from. Today's kids won't do this. And my wife and I, we were just as happy as we could be. We were on our own. We were paying our own bills. We were paying the rent. We desperately need in America to find our way back to the main highway and set our sights on what really matters in this world. And then there's Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4, which is often misunderstood. Fathers, do not exasperate your children, but bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord, which means if you don't bring your children up in the training and instruction of the Lord, read the verse, read it very carefully. It does not say, fathers, don't exasperate your children. It says, fathers, you will exasperate your children if you don't bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. It's all the time we have today. Hope you enjoyed it. Another rant from your host, John Roseman, johnroseman.com, American Family Radio every Saturday at 6 o'clock Eastern, 5 o'clock Central, etc., etc. Glad you could join us. Hope you'll be with us again next week. God bless.